This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Luke 18, Luke 18, 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Well, last week we had a story about a girl who married a rabbit. If you missed that, you might want to go back. Uh, but this week we have a story about a lion and a gnat. A lion and a gnat. Away with you, vile insect, said a lion angrily to a gnat that was buzzing around his head. But the gnat was not in the least disturbed. Do you think, he said spitefully to the lion, that I'm afraid of you because they call you king? The next instant he flew at the lion and stung him sharply on the head. Mad with rage, the lion struck fiercely at the gnat, but only succeeded in tearing himself with his claws. Again and again, the gnat stung the lion, who was now roaring terribly. At last, worn out with rage and covered with wounds that his own teeth and claws had made, the lion gave up the fight. The gnat buzzed away to tell the whole world about his victory. But instead, he flew straight into a spider's web. And there, he who had defeated the king of beasts came to a miserable end, prey to a little spider. This Aesop's fable seems to me in many ways sort of a, a perfect illustration for the parable that Jesus tells and the elusiveness of humility. Right? Often in reading this parable or hearing this parable that Jesus tells, we can find ourselves saying in response, God, thank you for not making me like that proud Pharisee. That guy's awful. And I'm so glad that I'm not like that. And ironically, right, we might find ourselves just a little bit becoming like the thing we imagine we are not. And so we can get caught, get caught in the trap. Humility is elusive. I even saw an article entitled, How Humility Will Make You the Greatest Person Ever. <laughs> not even kidding. And this was from University of Cal Berkeley. So I, I don't know, was this a, a serious article? 
I mean, I did download and print it. No. <laughs> Teasing. But we might also approach this topic of humility and wonder if humility is a bit passe or a bit old-fashioned. You know, uh, I mean, who has time for it anymore? If you're too humble, you get left behind in this age of entrepreneurship and side hustles and trying to get ahead. If you don't self-promote, no one is going to do it for you. In fact, I, I came across this recommended frequency of a social media posting for a small business or entrepreneur. So that's you, take notes. Facebook, once a day at least, or five times a week at minimum. Twitter, three to five times every day. Instagram, once a day. Instagram stories, two to three times a week. And you'll probably want to get on TikTok and Snapchat also. <laughs> enough to make you want to go back to bed you know it's, it's a lot and the thinking is well if you're too humble or, or you aren't putting yourself out there you'll get left behind right you'll get left in the dust and it can even feel like that in the church world right if we're not out there tooting our own horn how will anybody hear about us or know how great we are by the way please follow us on Facebook, and Twitter, and Instagram. And so we might wonder if humility is a virtue of times gone past, right? We might wonder if humility is a weakness. Gene and I had that conversation earlier this morning. But maybe we're misunderstanding humility. We sometimes think that humility means having Right? A low self-esteem or a low opinion of yourself or lacking in confidence. But really, it's not that, right? Humility is actually having the self-esteem to know that even when you're doing well, you don't have to brag or, or gloat about it or put it in anyone's face. And humility is the ability to view yourself accurately with all your gifts and strengths as well as your flaws and shortcomings and it's the ability to be void of arrogance and low self-esteem and psychologists know that there are many benefits in fact to being humble it strengthens your connections to others because you're able to extend compassion and empathy it makes you more self-aware and therefore able to grow. And it broadens your perspective of the world because you imagine that you don't have all the answers. And so it encourages a spirit of curiosity. And so yes, humility does have its place. But it also turns out that this parable is about much more than just a moral tale about the virtues of humility. <clears throat> In many ways, this parable is about who has access to God. It is about how wide God's mercy extends, about who is welcome in the community of faith. The parable begins, two men went up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector, and we've been conditioned to read this a certain way and to see one of these figures as good and one as bad, 
Right? We read this parable and we think that Pharisee was awful, terrible. And the tax collector's the good guy. Or we've been conditioned to read it this way because we already know the story Jesus tells. Right? But in that time, and in that setting, to Jesus' listeners, they would have had the opposite reaction. The Pharisee was the good guy. He was Torah observant. He was righteous. He followed the law. He was the moral example, the one you aspired to be like. And so his prayer is very natural. Thank you, God, that I'm not like other sinners, even this tax collector. And tax collectors were hated. And this is more specifically a toll collector, meaning one of those lower on the level in the whole system of taxation, who would actually be the person working in the booth, taking your money, and maybe a little bit on the top, so we had a little bit on the side. And he would not only be hated by the people because of the incredible strain those taxes put on their financial, uh, their, on their finances, but also because he represented Rome, an empire, and foreign oppression, and on top of that, he was a religious outcast. He was a religious outcast. As one scholar put it, he was unclean beyond recognition. I found that a powerful phrase. Unclean beyond recognition. And so we really have to try hard to put ourselves in a first century mindset to really grasp the power of what Jesus is saying and doing here in this parable. But the bottom line is that according to the Pharisee and the temple and the entire religious structure of which Jesus and his audience are a part, according to all of that, the path to God's mercy is closed to this tax collector. And yet, he has the temerity to show up which is incredible in and of itself. He steps into the temple precincts knowing what others will say and think about him. And this Pharisee says out loud what everyone else is thinking. God, thank you that I am so righteous, unlike this horrible, stinking human being. It is, as scholars note, a classic honor-shame situation. One presumes all the, all the honor and pronounces public shame on the one who doesn't measure up. I'm wondering if you've ever been made to feel that way. That you don't belong. That you don't measure up. And I wonder if you've ever been made to feel that way in church. makes me think of gay, queer, and trans friends who have shown up to churches where a majority of the members don't believe they really belong. And yet they're spiritually hungry and thirsty and wanting to belong, and so they show up anyway. And sometimes they've had to endure sermons that sound a lot like the Pharisee. God, thank you for providing us with family values and protect us from those who would seek to destroy them. 
A nationally representative study of adolescents in grades 7 to 12 found that lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth were more than twice as likely to have attempted suicide than their heterosexual peers. Because many of them have been made to feel shame. That they don't measure up, that they aren't good enough, and many of them have heard that in church. And yet many of these folks still show up Heads down, trying not to get whacked with a stick of righteousness, but hearts up, hearts desperately open, hearts longing for a taste of divine mercy and grace, just like the person in our story. And so Jesus' audience would be expecting after the prayer of this Pharisee for the toll collector to take his cue, right, and exit quietly in shame. It's clear you don't belong, buddy, so hint, hint. Here's the exit. And yet he doesn't, right? He sticks around and he even has the audacity to pray and open his mouth asking God for his mercy. Now he's really done it, right? And the shame should be doubled. Be as embarrassing as a pregnant, unwed girl leading the prayers at a Southern Baptist Sunday evening hymn sing. Right? Unthinkable. Get her out of there. Get him out of there. But Jesus turns everything upside down and says, I tell you, this one went home justified rather than the other. The people would be left gasping. How could God act like this outside of official channels? If the toll collector is justified by a mercy as outrageous and unpredictable as this, then who else could not be included? And that is precisely Jesus' point. He's upended their entire religious order, so it's no wonder that Jesus finds himself eventually under the gun. Well, they didn't have guns, but arrested and killed by Rome with the assistance of the Jerusalem elite. Because this parable is not simply about humility and pride. It's about the radical wideness of God's mercy that extends to every single human being. And that includes every one of you sitting here, every one of you tuning in, no matter what you've heard or been told elsewhere. You and you and you all of us are welcome at the table with Jesus. And that is good news. That is great news. Amen. Amen. So. invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, 
like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.